0: That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition
1: of Sports Talk. All right, good evening, everybody. Welcome in to Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. And happy Monday to you. Oh, I know once a year, you're insanely jealous of the corn. Only once. Really, only one time a year are you insanely jealous of the corn. It's on a Monday. It's in February, and it's the Monday in February of the RBC Heritage Sponsor Media Golf Outing at beautiful Harbor Town here at Sea Pines at Hilton Head Island. You are very jealous of what I did today, get to play one of the great golf courses in the world. Not only get to play it, But they changed the format. They changed the whole deal. And we got to play our own ball in a foursome and had four caddies and had food everywhere. And it was great. And the course is, of course, fantastic. The course is, you know, the grass will be different by the time the Heritage rolls around the week after the Masters. The grass will be different, of course. But the course is, except for the pin placements and the tees and all that, we didn't play from where the pros play. Don't get me wrong. We were playing well up. But the course layout is ready for the pros, and it's in great shape. Of course, absolutely great shape. I'm always, always leave here guilty about the damage I do to uh, Mother Earth uh, in 18 holes around this place. But it is a, it is God's gift to South Carolina. My goodness, or somebody's gift. Maybe it was the Arabs who we bought it from, or they gave it to us, or however we uh, came away with it. Uh, glad to have it because it's. If Hilton Head and Sea Pines and Harbortown, et cetera, et cetera. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And they had some things set up for us today. For example, on one of the holes, they had three uh, golfers from nearby Hilton Head Prep who were all elite junior golfers. Um, one of the kids, a boy, is, is going to go play at Maryland. Another of the kids, a young lady, uh, is going to go play at Notre Dame. And then a the third, who's a very good player, is still young, and so had one hole where we kind of competed with their best drives, et cetera. Then we had uh, number 17, the par three, you know, the famous number 17 that, that takes you, faces into Calabogie Sound. Over water, number 17, par three, and Wesley Bryan, a former champion, was set up there uh, to hit balls against us and see if, you know, we could hit it closer to the pin than he would, of course, we could not. Uh, and and then on 18, they had a setup on the course 182 yards from the hole, where they had the moment last year. Where, remember, they had um, they had uh, a playoff last year, and uh, Matt uh, Fitzpatrick, right, uh, was the winner, and he hit a shot on the third playoff hole. I think it was back into 18. It was an incredible shot from 182 yards and so they had a some artificial turf set there so that we could all hit from there to see if we could come to within what was it? Um, well, I think it was like 22 inches. Some incredible shot and uh, of course nobody nobody could match that. So anyway we had a great day here only to not quite be matched well maybe it was matched it's all in the, in the beholder in the eyes of the beholder. Chris Bergen uh, was on the golf links today in Myrtle Beach because Myrtle Beach is going to be hosting a PGA event the same weekend as they're playing in Charlotte. Kind of a that Charlotte event is a select event like the the one here, and so uh, as a result, they have a another event going on at the same time for those golfers who can't get into that one. And Myrtle Beach is going to host that one, and you were there for that, and you too, sir, are a lucky dog today.
2: I am, absolutely, and I, I'm probably the only person in the state of South Carolina within the sound of our voices that isn't totally just envy and, mm. you know, jealous and ridden with envy at, at what you just described, though that did real uh, sound really cool, the opportunities you guys had down at uh, Harbortown. That's always fun, but I uh, got a chance to see for the first time ever, as long as I've lived in South Carolina, I've never been at the Dunes Golf and Beach Club in Myrtle Beach. And had a chance to run over there, had the press conference about the upcoming PGA Tour event, the uh, Myrtle Beach Classic, which will be held over Mother's Day weekend. So go ahead and make your plans. Don't know how you can do this because Darlington will be running that weekend as well. There will be baseball. We'll have a lot of stuff going on here in South Carolina that weekend. But uh, uh, the course was in, in really good shape. It's not ready, I don't think, for the PGA Tour pros to get here quite yet. They don't need it to. They needed to be ready in a couple of months, and it will certainly be so. One thing that I was struck today, Phil, with regards to the press conference that they had for the event, also uh, Jonathan Bird was there, former Tiger, uh, five-time winner on the PGA Tour. He'll be there. Uh, was talking about how impressed he was with the golf course. It was the first time he'd ever seen it. But one thing that struck me, uh, the tournament director, Darren Nelson, was talking about the volunteers, not the ticket sales, not the suites, the whole nine yards. He said they had to actually shut down the website about the day it went live. They were expecting about you know, 1,500 people or so that want to volunteer. They had over 4,000 basically crashed the site. They had to stop, wow. taking, they had to stop taking volunteers. So there's a lot of interest in this event. And we asked Jonathan Bird about the fact that are, are you surprised that you know, Harbor Towns had their PGA Tour event for years Kiowa has done a fabulous job hosting majors and, of course, the Ryder Cup back in the early 90s. But there's been nothing up up the Grand Strand. And uh, we like to say here in South Carolina for sure that Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. And he said, yeah, I was kind of surprised that this will be the first PGA Tour event to ever come to the upper part of the Grand Strand at Myrtle Beach. But I think they're going to do a fabulous job. The press conference was very well done. Had a good time playing golf today. Actually uh, teamed up with a, a pair of members from the board. And one of the guys is a four handicap. Ooh. So it was fun watching him play. (laughs) His back's got to be sore, though, because he carried the other three in our foursome around. We played the the typical captain's choice. But uh, he was Collins is his name, and uh, just uh, can smash the golf ball and hits it uh, wherever he wants. He can shape it left and right. I mean, you can tell he plays a good bit. Anybody For those of you who aren't familiar, the lower your number much in golf, uh, the lower your handicap, the better off you are. Uh, Tour pros, are, I guess they actually have a plus handicap. That's how good they are. But if you can get it around zero, that means basically you shoot par about every time you go out. He's at a plus four. So Mm. this is a guy who goes out and plays at at the Dunes or anywhere else and shoots probably 75, 76 on a bad day. I'd love to shoot that on a really, really good
1: day. I shot 75. I mean, you know.
2: Then that means you go to the backside, right?
1: I crossed the 75 mark. (laughs) But you know what? Today doesn't matter how well you played, how poor you played. You just have a great time. We had two mm-hmm. members of the the staff here at Harbertown, gentlemen who work here, and one who used to live in South Africa, and they could hit the ball a ton. They could hit the ball an absolute ton. So it was just fun. I enjoyed just playing my own ball, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. And um, our four caddy was a great guy. I've had him before. His name is Griff Rudolph. He's the son of former PGA star Mason Rudolph. Uh, now, he's an older gentleman now. He's like in his 60s. But he played golf at the University of Alabama. And Bear Bryant was the AD when he signed with Alabama. And he played a little bit on the PGA Tour as well. So, learned a lot from him because, I mean, these four caddies, they know every angle to this golf course. They know every break in the green. And the greens, of course, can be misleading, What you think mm-hmm. might be an uphill putt or a downhill putt could be the opposite. What you think is going to go left, he'll tell you, no, 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 it's going to go right or vice versa. So, you learn a lot. I mean, he's a great guy and uh, enjoyed having him with us. Okay, N- enough about our own uh, selfish uh, day because uh, that's what we've been. We've been selfish today. What a weekend. Let's touch on everything here, Bergie, real quick, and then we'll get the phone calls. 888-898-2525. Still uh, Steve Wilmot coming up at uh, 705. We'll – will be here with us to talk more about his big event coming up. And, of course, uh, Jim Toman, 735, just a bit outside. It is the big week. They got uh, games tomorrow, South Carolina and Clemson do, but then they turn their attention to each other. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Columbia, Columbia, Clemson. Hopefully the weather will uh, cooperate. A chance of rain, of course, every weekend, and that's going to be the case again this coming weekend. More on that coming up. Both teams went 2-1 and one over the weekend. Uh, Each took a uh, lopsided loss. You know, this happens in baseball. Each each took a lopsided loss, then came back to win, and uh, we'll go over the rankings that came out today in just a moment. Um, Of course, basketball over the weekend, impressive performances, impressive wins by Clemson at home over Florida State and uh, South Carolina on the road at Ole Miss. Uh, Both teams kind of got back to what they do well or should do well of course, Clemson shot the ball well. Gerard shot the ball well. Um, and they won without a big performance at all from P.J. Hall as he was held to just seven points. He was in foul trouble, uh, eventually uh, fouled out. and uh, But they found um, some other people. R.J. Godfrey was, was big for them. And the Tigers picked up another big win for them in the ACC. And their number in the net remains uh, very healthy at this point. And South Carolina went down to Ole Miss and played great defense and did not allow Ole Miss uh, really to uh, have any sort of uh, hold on that game at, ho- at home whatsoever and got a several uh, solid performances from some guys who stepped up and had big games for them, and they were playing again without Miles Studi, who's now dealing with an injury he suffered in practice, a knee thing, probably not going to play Wednesday night at Texas A&M. But that's a very nice road when the Gamecocks have had a ton of success on the road this season. And that's an important thing to note when it comes down to the seeding for the NCAA tournament. And, of course, their net ranking still not as good as Clemson's. They're 48 this week, and Clemson is like uh, 20, 28, I believe, or 23. We'll look that up in just a second. But you know, both are in good shape from that standpoint, and the experts have them both firmly in the tournament with no sweat going on right now for either one. So, two really good wins. And The Tigers have a big one at home tomorrow night against Pittsburgh. That's huge. Those two teams are tied in the ACC standings right now, so obviously that's big. And the Gamecocks will go on the road Wednesday. Boy, if they beat Texas A&M, Chris, they come home to play Florida on Saturday in what will be a mammoth game Ooh. for them.
2: That'd be one of the biggest games in Columbia for the men in quite some time. And and that'll give them an opportunity if they're able to beat A and M, they'd go to eleven and four in the league. And you figure Florida, I think they play Missouri as their tune up for the game cox I can't see Florida as well as they are playing right now losing. So you've got a team that would be eleven and four assuming that they win and Florida would be ten and five coming in. If you could find a way to win that Florida game, get two games up on the Gators, plus have the tiebreaker over them. You're looking at a South Carolina team, field that was picked to finish dead last in the conference, that may finish in the top four and get the double bye all the way to Friday at the SEC tournament. And they went back. I, I thought you hit on a really, really good point. Then I want to get back to the I, – I just don't get the SEC in a moment, but I, I thought you brought up a great point about the Gamecocks getting back to doing what they do. And when they start playing defense as well as they did against Ole Miss, just clearly taking them out of the ballgame, it translates on the other side of the floor too. 17 assists on 26 made field goals. Unselfish basketball teams normally pass the ball well and play great defense. And that's what USC did on Saturday. And, and to get nearly five guys in double figures, if Talon Cooper got another point, uh, if he had made his free throw, he would have finished with 10 points. And you would have had five guys without Miles Studi scoring in double figures. They play like that. That's the blueprint for, for the Gamecocks the rest of the year. Distribute the basketball, get as many people as you can involved, in it and go play defense on the other end like they did. I'd, they're going to be in the mix going down the stretch and certainly come conference tournament time to make some noise at the SEC tournament. Now, speaking of the SEC, how in the world is Alan Flanagan not suspended for a game after the just vicious, cheap, dirty shot he took on Zachary Davis with the elbow? How is that different, what he did, than what the Alabama kid did the other night against Florida where he got a suspension for it? I, I don't understand the discrepancy in the two. Let's have some consistency here with the SEC. It was a, what, flagrant two foul? and he was ejected from the ballgame. That that doesn't rise to the level of also suspending him for another game. I mean, I'm not s- saying sit him down for the rest of the year, but that was a cheap, dirty play by a guy who obviously he had checked out his team. He was frustrated. His team was getting beat, and he wasn't going to win the game, so he figured, well, shoot, I'll just take a cheap shot at one of the uh, other players. And I thought Zach Davis handled it really well, not trying to retaliate. And uh, some of the players talked about it afterwards and said we talked to him and made sure that he understood, hey, we're winning the ball game. Let's just go take it out on them on the scoreboard. But I just don't understand the SEC side of the coin, that they'll suspend one player for a game or two, but not Alan Flanagan for basically doing the exact same thing. Couldn't agree with you more. Could
1: not agree with you more. Now, let me bring up my point of contention for this weekend. I was so ticked off by what I read. I don't normally go to X – formerly known as Twitter, and express opinions during the weekend, you know, because, hey, man, you got to take your minds off things from time to time, right? You can't be working your thoughts and your opinions 24-7. But I was so ticked off by what I read on CBSSports.com. And you tell me if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, you tell me I'm wrong. And I'll be more than happy to listen to why I'm wrong. So you have the incident at the end of the Wake Forest-Duke game, Right. And you saw Filipowski stuck out in the middle of hundreds, hundreds, I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of Wake Forest students and fans storming the court, okay? A very dangerous situation, to say the least, a very dangerous situation for that young man. And, of course, he ends up having contact with at least one person, and he ends up being injured as he's trying to get off the court. So, I mean, to me, it's black and white, cut and dry. He, he's, a, he's an injured party here who should have been protected. But I guess, you know, in this era of, of sports coverage and media, the attempt to draw looks and the attempt to draw clicks is just, it overwhelms one's common sense. A guy named Kyle Boone, who writes for CBSSports.com, He did an analysis of the video. Now, my first thought is, why is any analysis necessary here? What analysis is there to be analyzed? The poor guy got caught up in a rash and rush of hundreds of students storming the court and was in a very uh, dangerous situation. So, anyway, the headline is, Kyle Filipowski injury, breaking down the film on Duke's star run-in with court-storming Wake Forest fans. He tries to make an argument here, at least raise the question, that maybe Filipowski was to blame for the contact. Can you believe that? Can you absolutely believe that somebody with the position of writing for CBSSports.com would throw different angles of the video up there? And you know what? The fact that Filipowski might have thrown his arms out at somebody to protect himself does in no way mean he was trying to create a contact situation and knock somebody down. It is the most simple, simply the most ridiculous attempt at at creating an opinion on something that does not need to be created and should not exist. Um, I just couldn't believe it. Now, I know you've looked at the film, you know, if you've seen mm-hmm. it, maybe you saw it live. Or, uh, do you see any way – and at one point here he was trying to perhaps – he was questioning whether or not some of the responsibility, some of the blame should be on Filipowski.
2: Only thing I'm disappointed that Kyle Filipowski did was not slug one of the Wake Forest students. That's exactly what he should have done. I'm, I'm big on stand-your-ground laws in our state. Somebody invades your home, you should be able to protect yourself and defend yourself. He would. That's, that's the only thing he could possibly be doing. And I don't want to re-litigate. You all know how I feel about court storming. I think it's the most ridiculous thing that happens in college basketball, and it should have been stopped a long time ago. And I wish somebody with some common sense would actually stand on the radio and, oh, wait a minute, I've done that, mm. and talk about why it needs to end before something like this happens. I could see it coming. You could see it was going to happen. And maybe – There's some good that comes from this. The the sad part is John Shire said earlier today that they're not sure if Filipowski is going to be able to practice right now. They don't know exactly the situation that is going on. But you've got a situation where the best player on easily the most polarizing basketball program, everybody has an opinion on Duke, whether you love them, whether you hate them, whatever the case may be, you have an opinion on them. Maybe this will finally get this nonsense stopped. And stop with the fines. The fines aren't going to work. We've been finding schools to death the last several years. It doesn't work. The only thing that does work is you hit them where it matters. You either take – I've seen some people talk about ding them in the net rankings. I'm okay with that. I'm still an advocate of taking the win away from the home team. Ooh. But if you want to ding them in the net rankings, I can I can see that. If If you had told Steve Forbes afterwards, hey, by the way, Coach, since you you couldn't control your fans, and on top of that, one of the opposing players got hurt – you guys are going to lose 20 points, 20 spots in the net rankings. For a team that was on the bubble going into that game, you don't think it, they'd get that uh, situation corrected? You'd only have to do it once or twice nationally, and it would stop. But, again, I, I, don't, I don't see why this is a continuing problem, but maybe now that it's happened to Duke and one of their key players may be out for a game. Hope not. I hope he's not seriously hurt. But maybe this, that's the positive of this. This nonsense will actually come to an end.
1: Clemson better rethink its situation with the uh, uh, fans meeting at the Paw after football games as well. I mean, the Clemson fans, they're getting more and more uh, anxious to rush the field as soon as the game is over. They don't give the visiting team any time to get off the field, even though they're they're told to wait, I think, like 60 seconds or so before they come onto the field. They don't wait at all. Hmm. And they come to the Paw – well, the opposing team, of course, especially if they've taken a beating at, by Clemson and their arrival, you know, that's just a situation where something's going to break out sooner or later and, and is waiting to happen. You've got to believe if the ACC takes action, if the ACC takes action on this, it's going to impact Clemson's fans going to the PAW, their traditional meeting. They're not going to do it sure. to basketball and not do it for football. You know?
2: No, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right because – that will happen, and their chances of somebody getting hurt probably greater in basketball just because of the smaller condensed area, but mm-hmm. there's certainly less fans uh, than in football, but yeah, somebody's going to get hurt in football if they continue to allow this to occur, and you've got to stop it. I mean, you just have to have to stop it, and I guess it 's much like NASCAR and God it 's so sad that they had to have an accident kill one of the superstars of the sport and Dale Earnhardt before they, they finally figured out a way to get softball technology in there. Let's hope the NCAA and the powers that be don't wait until a serious, serious incident occurs before they react. Don't be retroactive. Let's be proactive. This should be enough to stop this nonsense from happening ever again. And they need to stop it now before it gets worse.
1: Speaking of Clemson, Tigers, you know, begin spring practice tomorrow. And Dabo Sweeney is going to visit with them. Make that Wednesday. I'm sorry. Let me get my days right. Uh, Wednesday, the 28th. Dabo Sweeney is going to meet with the media Wednesday afternoon before going out to practice. So one player who is coming back who had not been with the program because of a legal issue, according to Chapel Fowler of the state newspaper who had this story earlier, three weeks after being arrested on a charge of unlawfully having a gun on school property, Demonte Capehart is back with the team. A team spokesperson told the state that Capehart, a redshirt senior defensive tackle, rejoined the program late last week and will be available for the start of spring practice Wednesday after going through PTI surrounding his February 6th arrest on campus on a weapons charge and a traffic charge. Larry Williams of Tiger Illustrated actually reported not long after this story came out that from his sources, all of this was going to be resolved in a matter of time, and it was not going to be a a problem whatsoever. My question to you, Mr. Bergen. South Carolina had a similar situation on campus last year with three players. Those three players were dismissed from school, kicked off the team, and they're not coming back. Mm-hmm. What's the difference? Why does Clemson, why does Clemson handle a weapons situation differently? than South Carolina did. And I know that people will say, well, different circumstances, different this, different that. There is one common denominator, a gun on campus, which nobody can deny. So what's the difference? Why does Clemson handle their thing this way, and why does South Carolina handle their thing that way? I'll tell you why. One really, 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 really wants to win football national championships.
2: Period. So it's basically just, in your mind, it's basically Clemson's love of their football program and the success, and they don't want to do anything from a university standpoint to harm that possibility, of that success.
1: The story speaks for itself.
2: Yeah. The The story –
1: The two stories speak for themselves. Mm
2: -hmm. The only thing I could add to it, and and you're right, and I I wish they would have said where exactly because – I, I don't think they did, where DeMonte Capehart had the gun. Was it in his car that happened to be parked on campus? It was in the trunk. Actually, oh, it it was, was in the, the trunk, trunk, and he was pulled yeah.
1: over. Remember, he
2: was pulled over. Right. that's right. And they found it in his trunk on campus. So my, the only thing I can see is a difference, and it probably shouldn't matter. I'm, I'm guessing most universities want to take a zero-tolerance policy with regards to weapons on campus, especially in this day and age in which we live. But my guess is the difference is, Part car or car in a locked trunk versus in a dorm room.
1: Okay, we're back on sports talk. We're here at Harbortown after a great day on the links for the media day for the RBC Heritage. Steve Wilmot will be here a little after seven o'clock to talk more about today and about the uh, big event coming up in April course, it's always the week after the Masters. Phone number is 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number for you here on Sports Talk. We'll get to your phone calls in just a moment. Something else I wanted to mention. Well, first of all, to uh, folks who are watching us and communicating with us on our stream, thank you. We appreciate that. Big Man Sports asked me to not talk with food in my mouth. While I'm on the air, thank you. I was not doing that. I was eating while you were talking, okay? I was eating while you were talking, and then I would swallow. So, technically, I was not eating while I was on the air. And then Tim says, in talking about the K-PAR situation, he says, that's not it at all. Kid had never been in trouble. And that's true. I think he had a clean record. That's why he's able to get uh, pretrial intervention. But Mm -hmm. the three at South Carolina had not been in trouble before either. they just arrived on campus. Yeah. Yeah, so they were – well, two of them were brand-new freshmen. I think Anthony Rose had been a redshirt freshman, I think. But none of them had had any issues either. So, I go back to what I'm saying. You know, why does one handle it one way, the other handles it the other way? And you can draw your own conclusions. I'm just throwing the question out there. I kind of gave you my conclusion, but I'm kind of throwing – the question out there about that, it seems kind of odd to me that these two situations are handled in two different ways when there are similarities to what happened here. So, okay, let's see. Oh, there's one other thing I wanted to mention, and we'll get back to your phone calls or get to your phone calls. So, oh, yeah, my goodness. It was the big story over the weekend for South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that is they, they lose their wide receivers coach, James Coley, to Georgia, He was hired, I think it was on January the 12th, and he leaves to go to Georgia because Georgia's receivers coach was hired by an NFL team, so they had an opening there. At first, I thought this was like a chain reaction to Sean Elliott leaving Mm -hmm. Georgia State and then Del McGee going from Georgia to Georgia State, but Del McGee was the running back's coach, did not impact the receivers. And so uh, Kirby Smart went out. And obviously made James Coley some kind of a deal. He had to pay South Carolina money, but he made James Coley some kind of a deal that he thought was better than what he's got at South Carolina. And I'm just going to say this. I understand movement, okay, I get it. But at what point does honor Trump movement to try to maybe make a few more dollars or put yourself in a position to win a ring? Where is honor – when you take a job and tell the head coach, especially a head coach that threw you a lifeline, right? Mm-hmm. Because James yep. Coley was without a job. Shane Beamer threw him a lifeline, hired him, made him receivers coach. It cost him a member of his staff because he moved Justin Step to tight end. Justin didn't really care to be the tight end's coach, and he takes a job at Illinois. And I'm like, come on, man. I mean – you just got to South Carolina. They make all these they're making all these plans and, and you're recruiting for South Carolina. My point is, when are coaches gonna look in the mirror at themselves and say, you know what? I'm gonna honor at least my first year from here for a guy that gave me a chance to get back into coaching. Where is that? Or am I no from it is- am I just whistling you know, am I just whistling whistling up in the, the air, yard. you know?
2: Yeah. Well, and and there is no honor among thieves anymore. It's fairly obvious, and I don't want to ever hear another coach, and I'm, I'm going to start jumping on Pat Daniels' side of the coin. If players want to go, go. If you want to move, I don't have a, a problem at all anymore with players going, heck, I'm ready for the first player to go after the first week of practice. Mm. You know, first game. Well, I didn't play enough, so I'm gone. I, this is ridiculous on James Coley's side of the coin. First off, as you pointed out correctly, Shane Beamer throws him a lifeline, gives him a job, and then all of a sudden you haven't even coached a, Play at your position during spring ball, and you're already gone again. And Beamer said this happened to him a couple of times now. Phil, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, is it a situation where he's not vetting these guys well enough? Do they need to start having higher buyouts earlier in the contract? You know, like two million dollar buyout to get this assistant after you know he 50 days on the job, mm-hmm. and then it slowly it slowly goes down as as he coaches. I don't know a practice. Uh, this is a, a slimy move. On James Coley's part, I, whether it's Georgia or anywhere else, you made a commitment to USC, and you didn't honor any of it. So, I, uh, Shane Beamer, there's something wrong, something amiss when he's judging these guys uh, for assistant coaches because this is happening too many times to that program. Yeah. And especially with Georgia on the receiving end.
1: Yep. I mean, par, I mean <laughs> practically half of Georgia's staff. Now, I know that McClendon just left. He was a former Gamecock assistant, but you got – uh, what, a T-Rob is there. Of course, Muschamp is there. Now, Coley is there. Technically, he was on South Carolina staff. Mike mm-hmm. Bobo is there. He was on South right. Carolina staff, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I had this thought about who could be a replacement. How about this idea? I don't know if this has any legs or not. I just threw it out there over the weekend. Gaffney native quinshaw Davis has been the receivers coach at Georgia State. And, of course, Sean Elliott is now at USC. And you know how coaches talk to one another. Sure. That's how South Carolina, that's how Beamer hired his running backs coach at the rec- recommendation of Coley because they had coached together at Texas A&M. So now you got Quinshot Davis, who's a South Carolinian. He's young. According to his bio, he's been regarded as one of the up-and-coming uh, young assistant football coaches in college. He also coached at USF. He played at North Carolina. He left there as the all-time leader in catches and touchdown catches at North Carolina. I remember him at Gaffney. He was quite the player. Yes. And you know, South Carolina and Clemson kind of got involved with him maybe a little bit later after North Carolina had made some strong inroads, and he ends up going to North Carolina and having a great career. Just threw that out there as an idea. He could be, obviously, he's probably looking at totally different people, but it would make a little bit of sense to me that a guy like that would uh, have a chance to come to South Carolina. Okay, let's go to some phone calls. Chris, how about that?
2: That sounds great. Let's do it.
1: Let's go to Hank in Columbia. Hank, welcome into Sports Talk tonight. How are you? I'm doing fine, Corn. Uh, before you throw out
3: Quinshawn Davis, I would say look at Perry Parks at uh, Coastal, or even Jason Barnes. Jason Barnes is tied to the program, and he and he did he, he's worked his way up into college. Being up there at UNC Charlotte with no no hookups or my friend of a friend or my uncle and Perry Parks has worked at Coastal and worked at um, um, Charlotte and and Charlotte put a very good receiver out that he cultivated the last couple of years and then the guy from Coastal Carolina just went and got and so and he's been, you know he coached at Ridgeview then the Columbia guy worked out. Those are two guys before I would, I mean, even – I mean, Quinshaw Davis is nice, but I think those two guys come in just as good as he.
1: Somebody wrote on our uh, – I think it was on our Twitter or our ex or whatever, just go back and rehire Justin Stepp. He's still living <laughs> yeah. in Columbia. Just go back <laughs> and say, hey, man, I was really kidding about moving you to tight end. We really want you to stay as wide receivers coach. I mean, just and go quote, do that. Thing, and,
3: quote, one thing I think, it was kind of like a chain reaction because – the guy that the guy, uh, the guy that um, when the running backs coach left Georgia, mm-hmm. the guy that they were targeting for the uh, the guy that they were targeting for the receivers coach at Georgia when McClinton left um, was from Georgia Tech. They hired him, but then moved him to running backs coach so that they could hire Tola as a receivers coach. Who'd they, <laughs> so they they rece-
1: who'd they hire as receivers coach?
3: They the Georgia hiring Coley from us for the receiver's oh, coach. Oh,
1: oh yeah, 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 you're right. Right.
4: Yeah, yeah.
3: I'm but sorry. they target but yeah. they targeted the this was after their running back's coach left. Right. They targeted the Georgia Tech receiver's coach. And so they hired both of them and then they moved the guy they hired from Georgia Tech for receiver coach, they just moved in the running back.
1: Yeah, I just saw so, that. Yeah, you're right. They did just so hire a guy from Georgia Tech. They,
3: yeah. So you did have the chain reaction. Yeah. yeah. But uh but Corn, I call you I call you to say, you know, uh, you know I remember we had this conversation some weeks ago, and and you talked about um the girls team, and you talked about shooting and all that, and like in golf, I listened to you talk about golf when you first start. And most people will tell you if you shoot if you shoot 96 in 12 or 13 matches, and then you shoot one day you go out there and you shoot a 72, your handicap barely ain't gonna be based off that 72. It's gonna be based off the 96, right? Correct. Okay. So a couple of days ago you were talking, and, and I think you had gone to a game, and it had been a game or two where, they, where the girls didn't shoot a, a great percentage. But it hadn't been their year. Uh, it hadn't been the, the, the average of the year. And then the last two two or three games, they got back to shooting the way they've shot all year. And, uh, you know, last night they shot 65% field goal percentage, but they shot 66% from the three. Mm-hmm. And you had like five or six – You had four. I think it was five different girls that shot three-pointers last night. And they shot 90% from the line. And when I went in and you look at the stats, Carolina's got three – they have four girls on their team that are shooting over 40% from three. So I told you, I said, yeah, Pow is the best shooter in the country. Yeah, she's back up there. I said, but because South Carolina only takes about 12 threes a game because they don't need to with all that talent, they got low as we see – I said they have a number of girls that, if they shot more, if they hoisted up a whole bunch more threes, to qualify. They have three girls that would be in the top 15 in the country. And Carolina, once again, as a girls' team, is the best three-point shooting team in the country. So you don't have to concern. You can concern yourself with it if they were to go back in their little three-game
1: slump. I'm not one. I don't think it's going to be that great. Concerned about it. All right. Thank you, Hank. Appreciate it. I'm not one that's concerned. (laughs) listen to him laugh. Thank you. Hank always laughs when he thinks he's got you. He wants to stick that knife in you. Listen to him. Okay, listen. I want you to call me when they lose in the tournament because they're not making outside shots, okay? That's when I want you to call me and and laugh then. No, thank you very much, Hank. I'm not saying – I've been to a lot of their games. Don't make it sound like I've only been to a couple. I've been to a lot of their games, okay? Now, I don't catch them until the second half, and usually it's mostly – the the well, of course even over. their bench is so good yeah it's over even their bench people they're so good that they're playing at a high level but I mean yeah they've had games where they've lit lit it up from outside uh, ten of twenty five at Mizzou nine of twenty seven at home against Mizzou um eleven of twenty nine at Bowling Green eleven of twenty three at Duke ten of twenty two when they played Maryland yeah they've had some really good three-point shooting games. They've also had some clunkers, one of 19 against Mississippi Valley, of all people, three of 17 against Morgan, Um, two of 12 against East Carolina, two of seven against Ole Miss, two of 17 at Tennessee. And they can make up for that kind of shooting, of course, with their great inside play and their rebounding and their second-chance points, plus the points they make off of their steals, Mm -hmm. which that's a ton that they create off their turnovers. I was just uh, expressing the opinion last week that I think at times their three-point shooting does go cold, and you just wondered like it happened against Caitlin Clark in the semifinals last year as they move on down that line again here in a few weeks. They start getting into NCAA tournament play. They get through the first two games in Columbia. They go up to Albany. Maybe they face uh, a Virginia Tech in the Sweet 16 or somebody who's pretty decent. You know what I'm saying?
4: Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. They haven't
1: faced a whole lot of decent teams um, once they got into mm-hmm. SEC play. Let's face it; there's not really anybody in the SEC who has been able to to give them a challenge. Georgia did, believe it or not, for a little bit. And of course, you know, down there at LSU, that was that was a close one, which you would expect. But otherwise, they they've been practically unchallenged uh, in the SEC this year. So I'm saying when they they face a really good team, that might, I don't know put the pressure on the inside and force them to hit some outside shots? Are they going to be able to do that? Hank seems to believe that they're not going to have any problems when it comes to a situation where they've got to match teams with their outside shooting.
2: They have only had – this is a remarkable stat of all the different things they have put together over the last couple of years. This one amazes me. They've only had – and I think it speaks to the lack of depth in the FCC this year. Normally the SEC heralds itself as the best women's basketball conference top to bottom in the country. It's not close this year. And part of it is South Carolina is so much better than everybody else. It kind of skews the results. They've only had one game that was not decided by double figures in conference play. I mean, mm-hmm. that's how dominant they have been. But you're right, Phil. I think the the biggest change, and, and we talked about this last week, is Don Staley looked at her team's deficiencies last year and, and realized I've got to have somebody that can shoot from the outside or we're not going to win the national championship. And that's what happened against – Iowa last year they they could not make enough outside shots to keep up. Caitlin Clark was going to get hers, but they couldn't get enough inside to match what she was doing. And I think this team though is built differently. As as Hank correctly pointed out, they can shoot the ball even on an off night for them this year, it's probably better than a good night for them was the season ago. Because they just were not a very good three-point shooting team last year. Yeah. All right Hank, thank you. Take the knife out of my back. I'm fine. Appreciate it.
1: Don't you love how Hank laughs, though, when he thinks he's yeah, he does. he mm-hmm. got you? Got, he's got you on got something? sinister laugh. Yeah, he it does. Yeah, he likes Evil to do genius. that to you. We'll come back with more of your phone calls here on Sports Talk, 888 898 2525. The number. Busy Monday night. Back in a moment.
0: Hi, This is Billy Downer from the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. Are you looking for a safe place to shoot your rifle or handgun? Did you know that the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources operates four manned ranges across the state in Pickens County, Spartanburg County, Richland County, and Charleston County. For more information on our public ranges, visit dnr.sc.gov backslash shooting.
1: Last year was a big year for Founders Federal Credit Union and our amazing members. A total of $30 million was given back to qualifying members in the form of loyalty bonus dividends, proving once again that it pays to be a Founders member. Founders is also committed to pouring time and resources into the local communities we serve.
0: If you aren't a member yet, what are you waiting for? Join Founders today. Visit foundersfcu.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership qualification required.
1: Hi, yes, Uh, I'll have the club sandwich and house salad. You got it, sweetie. I'll throw in a pair of designer sunglasses as well. Um, just lunch, thanks.
2: How about a week at my boss's oceanfront villa? What?
1: When you join the South Carolina Education Lottery's Players Club, you get way more than you expect. More chances, more wins, and more surprises.
3: Today's special, a trip to low-Earth orbit in a private
1: spaceship. Join the Players Club at seeducationlottery.com, because more happens here. Now, Chris and I have had a wonderful day, separate locations along the low country of South Carolina. I'm over here at Harbortown, Hilton Head, and Chris was over at Myrtle Beach at the Dunes Club, another wonderful, beautiful venue, which reminds me to remind you, coming up will be summer vacation, and you need to go ahead and prepare yourself for a great getaway for your summer vacation at the beach so just call Jimmy Smith at James Smith Real Estate, 843-237-4246. That's 843-237-4246. Online at com. Let Jimmy set you up anywhere around Paulie's or Myrtle Beach or Surfside or Georgetown area, all up and down the coast. They can find what you're looking for, and they can make it fit your budget. That phone number, again, is 843 237 4246 6 898 2525 South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number. We go to Gamecock Larry over in Swansea. Gamecock Larry, welcome into Sports Talk tonight. Hope you had a great weekend. You're feeling well.
6: Well, I'm telling you, man, the Gamecock is almost Man, we, we had a great, good week. Well, let me tell old Coach Coley, or what do you call it? Coach cole Coach Coley. Coley if you don't want to stay, go. The game counts going to be okay anyway. Now, let me tell you, they've done a of smart. They're doing the same thing that Georgia done. When they got all smart, to go to Georgia. Because the contract was ready to be signed. They slipped him to Carolina. But Georgia fired that 10, 11 game winning 11 game a year, coach, for the last 10 or 12 years, 11 game wins a year. Fired him. Put old Kirby Smart $2 million under the table. Signed him. Then they come out and said, well, we got him. He's getting less money than the game Gamecocks give him. I think that's right. Anyway, you know what I mean. Yeah. Georgia, that's okay. We don't want you. We don't want you. You can get all the revenge you want, but I'm telling you, your day's coming. Your day is coming. Now, let me tell you about the cops. We're the only school in the NCAA. It's got four major sports, men's basketball, ladies' basketball, the latest softball, men's baseball, only school in the N.C.A.A. and them four sports, they got teams in the top twenty. Then we got the golf in the top twenty. Then we got the uh, tennis in the top twenty. So they said say too much about over Tyler right now, but now just coming up next week. Next week, we going to come out there. we going to sweep. we going to bring our bones. we going to sweep your Clemson and we going to sweep them, Phil. Mr. I hear you. I gonna hear you. we going to sweep I hear you. We're going to sweep them. I hear you. And let me tell you something else. I, oh, yeah. Mm. I've seen where one of these big motor, motor cars champions overseas killed himself doing a triple back jump. Doing a triple back jump on a motorcycle, he must—he was crazy. Man, I don't understand that. They got four wheels riding over right. But I, I just want to let you know we're having a battle year And the game comes. Come on down. And boy, go. We don't need you.
1: All right. Thank you. Love all y'all. Love all y'all. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you, Gamecock Larry. Appreciate that. Um, What do you think about Gamecocks and Clemson Baseball coming up this weekend? That's our new poll question of the week. And the poll question of the week is the annual base brawl that's our term but they don't call it that I guess that would that would be um not politically correct in this era to use the word brawl we can say it I kind of like it base brawl used to call it the base brawl for it all but the base brawl series between Clemson and the Gamecocks to be played this weekend what's your prediction on the outcome I didn't get this up on the on the X until late this afternoon. So it's just generating votes, 107 votes in the last hour. And third, no, 54.2% have the Gamecocks winning two of three. 23.4% have the Gamecocks sweeping. 20.6% have the Tigers winning two of three. And 1.9% have the Tigers sweeping. I mean, based on what we've seen so far, and what I would call the preseason games to this point, there's not a whole lot right. of difference between the two of them. I guess it depends on who's going to bring healthy arms to the mound on the on, on, for those three games, uh, you know, both the starters and coming out of the bullpen.
2: I would agree. And, I mean, both teams have had their struggles early in the field, too, Phil. I mean, you're talking about two teams that we normally expect to field it pretty cleanly. The Gamecocks have committed 10 errors already this season, and Clemson's got 14 up on the board already this season. So I I can't imagine either coach is all that impressed with his team's defense thus far this season, which is rare uh, usually for both of these teams. But, yeah, I have no idea other than I think there will be a lot of runs scored with these two offenses going head-to-head this week. So that'll be fun. Uh, it, it, but I think you you hit it on the head. It'll boil down to which can get quality pitching as, uh, as we didn't see from Clemson on Friday and didn't see from South Carolina on Saturday.
1: Yep. Okay, we're going to hit the break. Steve Wilmot from here at the RBC Heritage will join us when we come back and a whole bunch more to come. Don't go away.
0: Stay tuned. More Sports Talk is coming up on the Sports Talk Media Network. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number 888 898 2525. That's 888 898 2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network.
1: Okay, we're back on Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network on this uh, wonderful uh, Monday for all of us here. Uh, I'm here at Harbortown, part of the uh, group that came through and played the media tournament here, media and sponsors tournament. Chris Bergen was in Myrtle Beach at the Dunes yeah, Club absolutely. to play for really. there, yeah, to play at their media event as well. And we're joined by Steve Wilmot, the longtime director of the RBC. Uh, tournament here at uh town and it's great to have you back with us once again we get to see you uh well m- hopefully twice this year because i'm hoping to work some things out but we can be here to do the show yeah, well, for the uh, for the tournament this well, year well thank you as
5: always it's it is a pleasure once a year for people to to hear me and not see me you good, good, <laughs> good, good for them anyway but um obviously uh we appreciate your continuing support and
1: it certainly turned out to be a, a great day today oh. Man, the weather was fantastic. The course was fantastic. We And we had a blast. And the way you guys ran things this time around and the different touches you put on it, I mean, I really enjoyed it. So, so thank you very much for me. Um, a lot of things going on. You're getting ready for the tournament. Changes from last year to this year. And um, the tournament remains very healthy with two uh, major sponsors that are uh, firmly entrenched with you. Just bring us up to date on how things are with you here.
5: Well, it's um – things are healthy i mean that's a great way of putting it but it's uh, a true a compliment uh, to the efforts of not just the heritage classic foundation and uh, this community but tr- truly south carolina all our partners and volunteers i mean hard work pays off if you think back we've had conversations over the years and back in 2011 i wasn't sure whether there was going to be a 12 or not and mm. here we are uh, for the second year in a row last year it was considered a designated event that was awarded to us because of hard work and being good partners with the PGA tour but then this year to be recognized as a, and awarded a signature event uh is really a, a a compliment and from my sake a thank you to everybody out there uh it's it's exciting it's good to be us it, it truly is and uh, us is everybody that's involved with this uh PGA tour event <laughs>
1: I mentioned the course was in excellent shape. Um, has What's been done here over the last 12 months as you're, you're getting ready for your event in April, have they made any additional changes, anything that the the fans will notice when they're here in person or watching on television?
5: No, not this year. There was a little work last year on a few areas. But uh, the big plans for the, the Sea Pines Resort being the Riverstone group and the – the good winds and the wonderful wonderful um, hosts that uh, have us here is the, the commitment 25. They're going to close the golf course down after the 25 event and uh, to not, um, it's going to be a, a restoration, not a renovation. Mm-hmm. And um, they're just going to, just like anything, just like me and my knees. as you get older, you got to get tweaked a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, uh, the golf course is old. There hasn't been any work done in about twenty years and um so every railroad tied out there and they are gonna uh do some work um from uh drainage to to irrigation but also shave the grasses and and reshape some of the greens to their natural what Pete Dye wanted it to be and that's the one thing Pines, in working with the PGA Tour and others too is, you know, don't mess with the masterpiece you have out there. You got something really good and uh you know, just how to make it better. But, uh, you know, we from a tournament side, just like anything, um, you know, just like today when you talked about a different format, you know, just because we did it away five years ago, let alone last year, doesn't mean it needs to be done this year. You know, we changed up today's format. It was very well received, and we'll we'll tweak it in a little bit. But the golf course, too, um, we – you know, we're certainly sensitive to our our partners and our sponsors, and the great partners in the RBC and our presenting sponsor in Boeing. But but the general spectators are extremely important to us. And you probably saw out there today, and did, maybe didn't realize it because we're middle of the build. But you know, we have some uh, new bleachers on four, new bleachers on five. We, we've we've gotten bleachers on back on 17 that we haven't had in a few years for a couple different reasons. and uh, But we're sensitive of that. and uh, But we're also sensitive of the number of people. We're not trying to put more people out there. We just want to elevate the experience along with the tournament and uh, um, you know do the best we can to showcase this wonderful uh, tournament in South
1: Carolina, the world. Yeah, you, you sell it out every year ticket-wise. I mean, you're not increasing the number of tickets you're going to sell, but you're pretty much – uh, wanting to accommodate more people sitting around various aspects of the course.
5: Yeah, it's something, you know, We I'm sure we talked about last year, let alone the last few years, but, you know, it goes back to 2019 when things were really on a roll. And uh, the Saturday of 2019, we couldn't have gotten another person out on the golf course. And guess what? It wasn't a good thing. Uh-huh. And uh, I, we, and others didn't, didn't care for that. And then, unfortunately, COVID hit in 20, and but we – ended up playing without any spectators. And then the following year, we had limited spectators. And that's a financial model with that number that we wouldn't survive. So we took 2019 that Saturday and worked to where we were with limited capacity in in 20. And we've come with a number that's manageable. Last year, we could have sold more tickets. But, you know, when you sell more tickets, that creates more parking problems and transportation, shuttle problems, restrooms viewing concessions and we want that to be a, a good experience for everybody and um, to be able to say hey you know I, I feel like I, I've got my money's worth yeah. and um, you know something special so we, we we look at those things as well.
1: Visiting with Steve Wilmot from the RBC Heritage here at uh, Harbor Town, and you are uh, in the unenviable position as a director I guess as every tournament director is on deciding on who gets in with the sponsor exemptions, explain what's going on with the, um, number of players you'll have this year. It's a different number compared to what you had last year. And for those who aren't aware, this is a, a PGA designated elevated event. Maybe people don't know exactly what that means. So if you would explain those two.
5: Yeah. Well, I mean, the the confusing things was last year we were a designated event and, uh, there's a couple of reasons why they changed it designated to us was great, but other tournaments, you know, looked at it as, okay, you're designated and we're not. So what's that mean? We are. So yeah. again, I am sensitive to that. I, I respect all the efforts and work that's done by all these tournaments out there. But, uh, in us being a signature event this year, which they've created is there's only eight of us on the PGA tour. It's a step down from the majors. Um, as in previous years that I talked about, we were uh, somewhat, a uh, in, that position to a certain degree down from the majors in the uh, as an invitational we had limited field of 132 players so we were limited compared to most events that are 156 or 170 even at a few places but um but what happened with the last year is with the designated us being designated kind of late in the process that they had to add some players so we went to 150 last year and uh um, you know we're sitting in a locker room right now it's a beautiful locker room but you're not going to get 150 and so we had to bring in temporary lockers you know with 18 more players you've got 18 more courtesy cars and 18 more caddies and 18 more families and uh, um, so we created some things but the signature events are limited capacity and we're really selling it not selling it but how it is is—is between 70 and 80 players and with all the models, all the things that's been run, we're somewhere between seventy-four to seventy-six players. You have the top fifty, um, top fifty players are automatic, and then you have the top ten that have basically played good enough outside of that fifty mm-hmm. to be in. And then there's a little window of five, and then we have four exemptions. So we're gonna. So when you go from one hundred fifty last year down to about seventy-six players, um, it's going to be a different vibe and feel. Yeah, yeah. But um, you're going to be guaranteed there is no cut a little d- different as well but uh-huh. you know that xyz player that you're you're wanting to see on Thursday and Friday you're going to see them Saturday and Sunday if they're not playing that well but it will give them an opportunity and uh um to to see everybody in your field all four days and that's a, sometimes it was it was tough you know you you want to see you want to see stars, stars. Yeah, you know, you want to yeah. see them on the weekend you buy a Saturday <clears> ticket <throat> and they're not here and all. But uh, um, our feel for the feel as in the field on Thursday and Friday will be different. You know, when, when you had 150 players and you were going off the front and back side and in threesomes at seven o'clock in the morning till nine, and then you re tee again, you know, twelve o'clock to two o'clock. Well, we'll be going off the front side on the first tee, so you'll you'll see. The flow of spectators will be a little different. The The flow of the days will be more like Saturday and Sundays than they have in the past. But uh, it's, all, it's all a good thing. It's yeah. a change. You know, change is tough sometimes, and change is inevitable. And, yeah, there's a lot of changes that have been happening. It's a moment in time in golf. But, uh, you know, we're excited about it, and, uh, you know, we're full steam ahead. Well,
1: to be one of those few um, designated tournaments, signature tournaments outside of the majors, that has to be – very special for you. Um, how much did CBS play a role in that? Were they but much of a player because they love coming here and they, the ratings are normally pretty pretty good for this event. Comes right after the Masters, so they roll right over here. Did that have much of a play in it? Uh,
5: abs- absolutely. Yeah. And um, you know, we're we're biased to CBS. There, we you know, I look at them as the best in golf. You know, but uh, um, but that three hour trip from Augusta helps yeah. us too and you know the premier event in golf if not all sports is the masters and you know we've embraced that over the years of being the week after but the players have cbs wants to be here the players want to be here the media officials want to be here um and you saw that the media representation we hear today was unbelievable and uh um but the, but that that has helped us and there's no question that uh um that they're a big part of this they're coming in this weekend uh, on sunday they're doing a, a site survey with some things because the drones are used differently now and um they're they're looking for a few additional uh bigger cranes because of track man they want to be able to get over top and see from the pine trees so they're bringing in some you know so they're doing we'll be out here with them all day on sunday looking at some things but uh um it's really it's it's again it's a compliment to to so many people and yes rbc and boeing and our partners are but um we've done some good things in respect to uh working with the tour and whether it was when the cj cup happened or the palmetto championship or even assisting the pga championship um there was things that we did and as good neighbors which we felt what's good for south carolina is great for us yeah and uh, and all too and uh we're excited you know we're certainly well aware of the whole crew with uh Myrtle Beach Classic like classic um you know that's exciting they were all down here as our guest uh, recently well <laughs> before the holidays sure. they brought in nine people met with our entire team in sea pines and talked through strategy and the state and connections and things and you know it, it's good good for everybody so we're uh uh, it's an exciting. It's an exciting next few weeks, and um, you know, a lot of work, but uh, a lot of fun as well.
1: Well, with the golf industry the way it is in South Carolina, I mean, we should have multiple events uh, in one form or another. What's your purse going to be for this year? Do you? Well, it's the same as last year, mm-hmm. which
5: went from. It was raised twelve million dollars last year, but it will be twenty million dollars. And, um, and that's pretty. <laughs> Did you yeah. ever think you'd see a purse of twenty million? Yeah for this event no especially when i think back of my first turn it was 1987 and the uh, purse was $660,000 i think so it's not that i've raised the purse yeah it's, uh, um we as a team have looked at things but uh um, but you know the state's gotten very involved too they realized the importance and the state helped us through that covid period sure. uh, as we all know and uh let alone to reach out to them and Asked for support, whether it's DEA or some things with regards to, you know, some of the things happening and keeping golf open and the the tour working, or DHEC, I should say, helping us with some things through that period. And uh, um, But I'm very fortunate. You know, I don't look at this as Sea Pines or Harbor Town or Hill and Heads event. It's truly South Carolina's tournament and uh, the support we have from Columbia and around the state let alone the partners, is tremendous. And it's 99.9% of the time is yes is the answer. What's the question, Steve? Yeah. And, and they know the importance. And the state's gotten very, very much involved, and they realize the importance, and that's why they were involved with the C.J. Cup and Palmetto Championship, and now they're official marketing partners of the PGA Tour. And, uh, you know, as a destination, and Discover South Carolina is a, is a part of that, and that's unique, and I love that. And, you know it's 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 special so i am um, very very fortunate uh, to be in this position is it, is
1: it possible still for people to get tickets
5: yeah there's still some available <laughs> okay. i mean there there's limited in certain areas and again we're just <clears throat> we're at a position where you know we used to sell right up to it and we we pushed told people you know buy early mm-hmm. and um, and that's something that's uh uh, we we have some but i i would call now before you know as as we, <laughs> because we, want, we 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 don't want to last year we could have sold more but we don't we don't want to we're not looking at that we want that experience to be uh um for everybody from obviously want those players that maybe haven't been here like they were last year i want to come back but i also want that that volunteer and that sponsor and that you know ticket purchaser too to go hey this was a good time and i want to support and at the end of the day it's giving back to charity so we all it's a you know we want it to be a win-win-win for everybody
1: yeah and again your involvement with junior golf is is outstanding the junior heritage uh, we had a hole where we had three youngsters from uh, hilton head prep who are all high level golfers one's going to maryland one's going to young lady Never who won want- <laughs> going to Notre Dame she won she won your did event won junior heritage so I mean your 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 organization's involvement and commitment to junior golf to in, in South Carolina knows no end
5: right it, and that's something that's certainly important to us and again I did you know we we try to we do this event in December 2 the Congressional Cup which is important to us we, we you know we want the state to know that we want the, the state benefits from this and uh uh, the South Carolina Junior Golf Association. We are huge partners with, but you know, it's we help them; they help us. Uh, we uh, here locally, whether it's First Tee and all, we help those. We help every high school in this uh, Buford and Jasper County as well. And uh, you know, today was just kind of connecting the dots. You know, we had a few of those kids here. We also had a, a you know former champion and a USC grad, uh, Wesley Bryan, down here having some fun too. And mm-hmm. and he, and he's here you know, for the sake of wanting to give back. Um, he would obviously be love to play in April, but that's not why he was here. Um, you know, he's 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 at a phase of, he's, you know, sorting through something. He's got some incredible business things going on too, but he was here to help us. He's been a great friend. His family's been great friends to the tournament, and he was standing here having fun with uh, our participants and the juniors, and, uh, um, you know, it was great to have a, a uh, Gamecock game town here and a former champion and somebody that's certainly been dear and near to this community, having played in the junior heritage, he and his brother and the players amateur and his mom caddied, and we can kind of go on and on and on. And let on the dad, George played in the, yes. the heritage as well. Yeah, so, he did. Yeah. He
1: did. Well, thank you for uh, being with us as always. Thank you for inviting us and having us, us being all of us in the media. We really appreciate it. And, uh, Hopefully, we'll see you back here in April. Absolutely, I, I hope it. hope so. But yeah. please
5: know, I appreciate you as well and your support. It's uh, we're in this together, and uh, we 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 couldn't do it. And I'm. You know, you love what you do, do what you love. I certainly do, and I don't have to do this. I get to do it, and I get to do it with great people like yourself, and I well, we appreciate your support.
1: You've done a fantastic job, obviously, and not only here, but your impact around the state is felt with the things that you do. So thank you so much. It's great seeing you. No, thank, thank Pre- you as always. Appreciate you being with us. Steve you Wilmot, bet. the uh, executive director of the uh, RBC Heritage here at uh, Town. Always great to see him when we get down here for uh, the media day. Uh, in uh, in february and again the tournament coming back in april the week after the masters okay we'll hit the break here on sports talk and we'll be back with more take more of your phone calls got a little recruiting coming up for you jim toman at 705 talk some college baseball uh, just a bit outside with uh, jim toman coming up at 705 and um We'll see what else we can throw on the table here before we uh, sign off tonight. So we'll be back after this break here on Sports Talk.
2: You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you.
0: George Bryan here with Tsunami Bar Sports, and wow, Tsunami Robbie, there is now an amazing technology that you can use when you train, receiving large gain without having to endure pain. Please explain. George, that is the magic combination. I have three simple words to define that entire concept. Stimulation, not annihilation. Regardless of your training goals, there is a level of stimulation that is optimal for your desired gains. Tsunami Bar's flexible bar technology meets these demands because the user determines the level of stimulation with the amount of speed and force they impart into the bar or training device.
1: Hey, this is Phil Kornbluth. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today.
0: A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in South Carolina purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the SCHSL and the South Carolina Athletic Administrators Association.
1: Hey, thanks again to Steve Wilmot from here at the RBC Heritage for being with us tonight here on Sports Talk. and it's, it's always great, Chris, to hear that one of our uh, premier events hosted here in South Carolina, you know, beyond the Gamecocks and the Tigers and what they do, you've you got Darlington, and we can always count on the RBC Heritage for bringing uh, a lot of acclaim to South Carolina, mm-hmm. um, great sporting events, great crowds, and, of course, the uh, economic impact that's uh, felt down here but no doubt transcends across the state in one way or another.
2: Well, he's enjoyed listening to Steve talk about the heritage and how important it is to the state of South Carolina. Heck, I can remember when the heritage was sponsored by MCI. Yeah, remember those days? I mean, that company—I well, don't think tell you a funny story.
1: Anymore. When MCI was the sponsor, okay, um, that had to be back in the '80s, I guess. And MCI would set up telephones in the press tent and would let you make That's phone right. calls for free if you were in the media, you know. So, like, my wife would come in to, like, pick me up or something while I'm doing the show. Right. I'd say, hey, go go to make some phone calls with somebody. And, and she'd call all her relatives or whatever. MC, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Steve, I never told you that story. So That's don't go back and look up those phone then. bills.
2: That's funny. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's come a long way in those, since those days.
2: You know, and he also brought up an interesting point about them, not necessarily limiting tickets, but they don't want an overflow crowd at the Heritage because they want everybody to have the unique experience of being able to walk out there and be on Harbor Town, the whole nine yards, and have a good time. I wonder how much, though, the PGA Tour is starting to maybe not enforce that, but at least ask the tournaments to maybe cut down on crowds a little bit because of the overflow mess that they've had at the Waste Management Tournament out in Phoenix the past couple of years, especially this year. Where they had to start stop serving alcohol in the whole nine yards because there, there's so many people going to the golf tournament.
1: Yeah, and you bring up a point here. I see in our notes uh, in terms of a of a contrast, the the Myrtle Beach Classic, their purse is going to be about four million mm-hmm. right yeah. now. But I mean, that's going to be I again was really good. Yeah, for them. yeah. But again, that's going to be sort of like uh, I, I don't know how what, how they reference it. Maybe as a regular tournament or a secondary tournament to. Mm-hmm. Um, What's going to be going on in um, that's going to be up against the the Quail Hollow Championship, yeah, right? Correct. In, in Charlotte. Charlotte, that's where, all, and that's I, I believe that's a uh, signature event, right? It is. So, I believe that is correct. So that will have all your all your major golfers, all your top PGA golfers there, and of course, and we talked with Steve about this last year. No reason to bring it back up again tonight. But this is an offshoot of what uh, Live Golf created. This was PGA's <coughs> response to Live Golf. Okay, we're gonna. We're going to boost the purses and some select events. We're going to cut the field. We're going to do without a – we're going to eliminate the cut. Similar things to what the Live Tour is doing, right?
2: Exactly. And kind I think of forced Live Tour, for all, its, all its warts, has probably helped the PGA Tour, at least its players, yep. especially on the money side.
1: All right, Jim Toman coming up after the break. Be right back.
2: Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed.
1: Baseball red hot in the state of South Carolina, as I mentioned. This weekend, it's the base brawl for it all. South Carolina and Clemson going to do battle twice in Columbia, first at Founders Park, then over at Segra Park in Columbia. Then on Sunday, they head up to Clemson. couple of quick notes on both. For the upstate game tomorrow, Clemson will start. Austin Gordon. I think that's good news for them against Jake Kubler. And for their game against Gardner-Webb tomorrow, South Carolina will start Eddie Copper, the, uh, the freshman. As for the rankings for this week involving South Carolina, Clemson, and Coastal, D1 has Clemson 10, USC 19, Coastal 22. Baseball America, it's 10, 12, 22, Clemson, USC, Coastal. Perfect game has USC 13, Clemson 16, Coastal 23, and the coaches rank Clemson 11, USC 16, and Coastal 20. Without further ado, let's welcome in to Sports Talk another edition of Just a Bit Outside, Coach Jim Toman. No doubt with his notes, ready to rock and roll tonight. Welcome in, sir. How are you? So
7: I'm doing great. I'm up here in Lake Walker writing some notes down for your show and I'm happy to be on tonight. Another great week of college baseball and a big week coming up. As we know, that's what it's all about in South Carolina, Clemson, South Carolina. Best rivalry in college baseball. Write that down.
1: Let me ask you something before you get into your notes, having been somebody who was involved in that rivalry for many, many years, what's the What's the week like, even when you have a game to play before you can actually focus on the other guy? Is there a little That's more a zip point. in everybody's step? Is there a little more everyone's,
7: zip? Every, everyone's absolutely fired up, especially the in-state kids that have a little bit better understanding of the rivalry. But even the out-of-state kids, when they're probably their first day on campus, they, they learn really quick. That Clemson, even though they're a bunch of great guys over there, they're the enemy, and they are the ones that we have to beat. And that's a big focus of South Carolina baseball is you got to you got to beat Clemson, got to do it. But uh, the two games that you got to play this week, USC Upstate can really hit, and Gardner Webb's one of them sneaky good teams, and they are they're kind of like – because. You know they're all fired up to play Friday, Saturday, and Sunday against their biggest rival, and it's fun. there will be packed houses, and they they gotta they gotta take their time here on on Tuesday. I mean that's you know you you can't in college baseball you can't overlook anyone. So you know, we'll have plenty of time to get fired up for Friday, but we gotta take care of business on Tuesday, and 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 both games will be tough. But, you know midweek games are difficult.
1: Yeah. Before you get to your notes, one thing that Chris pointed out earlier in the show when talking about the two teams, they've both been a little leaky defensively thus far. Are you surprised at that? Is there anything to be concerned about for either team or both teams?
7: No, I mean, it's baseball early on. I think Clemson had some errors early on, but they'll get they'll get it straight out. I mean, they, Clemson, they got Jack Leggett and Nick Schnabel over there. They're two of the best uh uh, infielder coaches in the country, and so if they're if they're making too many errors with their infielders, then that they'll put a stop to that because they got two really good coaches over there. And you know, I didn't look at exactly uh, who's making all you know the errors, and you know maybe they have a few too many, but I don't think it's anything glaring yet. It's a little bit too early. It's early in the year, so you know sometimes they have the jitters early on makes make a few errors but i think they'll both settle in i think they've got plenty of good infielders so hopefully uh that's not a factor down the stretch
1: all right what you got for your notes
7: well i thought i'd talk about south carolina's week four and one you know four and one is a great week no matter who you are yeah we didn't want to lose that one game to belmont but uh you're not going to go undefeated. The last time I checked, any time I was coaching my team and we lost early in the year, I said, well, we're not going to go undefeated, guys. So we're, Gamecocks aren't either. But we're 7-1, and one, and, uh, you know, Belmont snuck that one in there. Now, Belmont's a pretty darn good team. And I do want to say uh, that uh, they were without their head coach this week. Uh, Dave Jarvis is a friend of mine being from Belmont. That's right there in Nashville. Uh-huh. He was 30 minutes for me when I was coaching at middle. And uh, he had a little stomach surgery. And uh, he, he so, you know, prayers up to him. He's a great guy. Won an awful lot of games at Belmont. He, he couldn't make the series. But I did text with him, and he said that uh, he's doing better, and he says he hopes to be back soon. So uh, prayers to Dave Jarvis at Belmont. But uh, I thought the key uh, – so far for the 7-1 start with South Carolina Dylan Brewer is hot and uh, he's got a lot of experience at Clemson a lot of experience at South Carolina a lot of at bats and it always wasn't great for him but right now you know the guy is hitting down in the lineup early in the year and he's hitting 560 he's leading the Gamecocks in hitting and the key I think he has 31 plate appearances and uh, no strikeouts and, you know, he's swinging this guy a little bit in his time. But I think Coach Lee has the right approach with him. And Dylan Dylan's doing something right because you go, uh, you know, 31 times to the plate and hasn't struck out yet. And that's why he's hitting 560. And then on the mound, Eli Jones seems to be really good. He has no walks in his two outings with a one ERA. And we'll take that any day. I think he has eight punch outs. Um, offensively. You know, the hitters are only hitting 297 for South Carolina, but I thought what was impressive, and I think Monty Lee preaches this, is the walk-to-K ratio. They have 76 walks, 17 hit-by-pitches, uh, and only 59 Ks. So they're looking at 93 to 59, which is an excellent ratio there. And the team ERA, they're hanging in there. They've got a lot of different arms, and they're still trying to figure out who to use, but Their ERA, I think, as a team is like 2.60 or 2.59, something like that. And the offense um, has scored 77 runs in eight games, so that's an average of 9.6. We'll sign for that for the whole year, and they've only given up 23. I noticed also this past weekend I thought Petri and Messina started getting hot, and that's the two All-Americans, and at one point they were hitting 200 each, but now – their average is up a little bit. They hit a couple home runs. Uh, them two get hot, and you, you watch out because they can carry a club for you know months on end. So I'm, I'm looking for uh, Petrie and Messina to, to hammer some balls uh, this week and this weekend, and uh, we need them two guys to really swing it, especially against Clemson. But like I said, 4 o'clock Tuesday, Gardner-Webb you know, got, can't overlook that game, and then Better get your tickets now for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday because they will be sellouts, I'm sure. Okay. Now, Clemson, 3-1 on the week. They beat PC, and they got two out of three against Ken- Kennesaw State. Now, I will say this. They lost bad on Friday, but sometimes that happens on a Friday. You get behind early, and you don't want to throw your top pitchers because you've still got you know, two games left. And it got out, you know, it got out of control, 18 to one. But they came back and won. I think it was eight six, seven to two. So they rebounded from that. But Kennesaw State is a really good team. Okay, so that's not that bad of a loss. So they're, they're they play tomorrow, USC Upstate, and and they're scoring a bunch of runs. Mike McGuire's done a great job over there. So you know, Clemson's got to be ready to go. Okay, and I'm looking at Clemson, and you know, you got to talk about Cam Cantarella only a sophomore now, but so much for the sophomore slump. The guy's hitting 517 and has a 16-game hit streak. And if you look at him, he's not that big, strong, physical guy. But, boy, he handles the bat well, and he has power to right, has power to left, plays center field. Their offense is doing fine, 8.1 runs a game. They're hitting 329 and are uh, doing okay at Clemson as well. But uh, – I would say that uh out of them two teams and I'll give you my prediction on the series here in a little bit. I want to talk about Coastal. Coastal had a great week. Um they they were uh I think 4 and 0 this week. They beat Wilmington, they beat Illinois, they beat Ball State, they beat Cincinnati and that that's really four teams that have been in regionals that are pretty darn good teams and they won all four of them. Uh they're they're only 5 and 2 now. Uh, on Sunday, uh, I think it was Cincinnati scored two runs in the first inning. But Coach Gilmore's crew I don't think they were a little uh, – they, they ended up scoring 12 in the first, six in the second, and five in the third. And by the third inning, it was 23-2. to hmm. So, I would not want to go play in a regional over at uh, Coastal because they just hammer balls. And they, the wind blows out and they got great hitters. And uh you know, they, they 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 got a dog fight on uh Tuesday. They play Campbell who's in the top twenty five. Uh you know, was in the South Carolina regional last year. Uh but Coastals already scored. Get this, Phil, they've already scored ninety two runs in seven games. So they're averaging thirteen a game. Mm. Um not not too shabby. And like you're talking about defensively, that South Carolina Clemson had a few too many errors. Clemson only has five this year. Now their ERA team ERA is 3.98, and they play a really good squad. A place where I used to coach, and uh, Scott Jackson is up there at Liberty. Uh, you know they have a three-game set uh, in Coastal this weekend, and, and Liberty's a quality team. So Coastal's going to have a good RPI because they're playing a really good schedule. I'm uh, talking about the other guys in state that we don't get to talk about as much. I think Coach Holbrook's doing a great job at College of Charleston last week, went 3-0. and So, they're undefeated, 7-0. and They've got a kid named Kevin Madden hitting 5-19. And Will Dorton is a pitching coach over there, one of my good friends. He's a stud over there. Their ERA is 1.86. Woo. And they had a kid named Connor Campbell that uh, went 7 and two thirds perfect game. And I'm thinking will probably call a fastball down the middle. That's probably the best pitch in baseball—a strike. <laughs> but uh, he gave up one hit. Connor Campbell—he's a little lefty, I believe. So they're doing well. Walford went three and one, and their only loss here is the Kennesaw State. Kennesaw State beat them, but uh, same thing—you know—they they ended up beating Clemson one game. So Kennesaw State is—it's you know, not a bad loss at all. So Walford is six and one. Uh, PC didn't have a great week. It went 1-3, and three, but they're still 5-3 and three overall, and they got a great opportunity on Tuesday to go down to Georgia and upset the Bulldogs. You never know. They've done that before. Seems like PC in the middle of the week. You know, they're giant killers. So, I'm looking for someone to go down. <laughs> I hate it for Clemson and South Carolina and Georgia, but uh, one of them three is going down this week. I, I don't know. I'm not a gambling man, but I, I don't. There's been a lot of upsets, and I think there's going to be quite a few more. Um, so, USC upset went four and O last week, and they can really hit. So Clemson has their hands full. Um, they're they're only four and three, but they you know, they won their last four. I think they lost their first three to, to Kentucky. Charleston Southern had a good week, two and two for them. They're four and three, uh, and them and the Citadel are obviously big rivals, and they, they play. Uh, at Citadel on Tuesday, if anyone is interested to take it out to the Gamecocks Clemson game. And then uh, the other team, the ninth D1 team in the state, Winthrop, they had a couple wins this past week. Uh, they were 2-3, and three, and they're 2-6 and six overall. So, I'm sure uh, Coach Reginus will get it going there. Upsets this past week. I don't know if you guys talked about this, but it's kind of crazy that LSU lost at home to Stony Brook. Huh. Does anybody know who the Stony Brook uh, mascot is?
1: The uh, they are the the sea, sea wolves. Wolves, aren't they?
7: Yeah. The sea wolves, good. Yeah. And do you, uh, and, do, and do they you they know were, who you're talking the, to?
1: Do you do you know who you're well, talking to?
7: I got a few more here, so I don't want to put you on a spot. But now that you're one know, zero, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to give you another one. <laughs> yeah, you remember in 2012, uh, Stony Brook was in the World Series. I didn't know that was yep. the last time South Carolina was there. But yep. Miami also lost to LIU. Do you know who LIU is?
1: That's Long Island University.
7: Great. And who mm-hmm. are they?
1: They are the Blackbirds. No. The something birds. Well, maybe
6: they are. <laughs> I, I looked it up, I'll be honest with you. I, and it said sharks, so I I don't
7: uh, know if they're sharks. I
6: thought
1: they were the Blackbirds, but go ahead.
7: Well, maybe they are. Maybe you got me on that one, but I, I'm going with sharks. Okay. Unless, unless I was looking up the wrong team. But
1: anyway, they beat
7: Miami at Miami. And obviously, Clemson lost to Kennesaw State. I don't even think that's that big of an upset because Kennesaw State is going to be in the regionals. All right, here's Arkansas a story. State. Here's
1: a story from 2019 in the New York Post, since you brought it up. The uh, Long Island University has a new nickname, the school on the verge of merging its Brooklyn and post-athletic programs has renamed its team to the Sharks. They there were the Blackbirds. They were the Blackbirds, but now they are the Sharks. So, basically, we're both right. But go ahead.
7: You know what? I think the Sharks, in that West Side Story, they had the Jets and the Sharks. I don't know. But
4: anyway,
7: <laughs> I'm not that big of a movie buff, but I did watch that one growing up. But anyway, yeah. so, Kennesaw State, who are the Owls, they beat Clemson as an upset. And then Arkansas State is playing well. They beat Ole Miss. Um I look up who they are too if we have enough time you can guess or I'll just tell you who they are Arkansas State
1: They are the Red Wolves The Red Wolves
7: Okay in 2008 who were they Do some trivia stuff here guys uh,
2: they were Short Go ahead that's, trivious, that's your surely Chris better. I hey that's I didn't realize they had another mascot outside of the yeah, Red Wolves I, I was going to stick with the 2008
7: they were they, they were called the Indians so in mm, 2008 Okay Someone said they couldn't be called Indians, so now they're now they're the Red Wolves. But anyway,
1: that's funny because He's Newberry was the stuff. Indians. Newberry was the Indians, right? Yeah. And now yeah. they're the Wolves. So apparently, it's pretty popular well, uh, to go from Indians to Wolves.
7: Might be the same uh, president or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Austin P. We got to shout out to old Austin P. And uh, you know who they are, right? Start with the G.
1: The governors, right. yep. Mm,
7: yep. The governors, they won two midweek games at Mississippi State, who Oof. won a national title three years ago, and they probably have the, one of the best stadiums in the country. Um, but Austin Pay or P, I guess it is
1: P. Yeah,
4: let's go
1: they, You know what their, you know what their, their, their cheer, you know what their top, their favorite cheer is, don't you?
7: Please, oh, I don't know if we can say it's, that on the radio. Well,
1: yeah, I mean, da 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 da. Let's go, P. Da-da-da-da, da da, 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 da. let us go pee. I mean, that's perfectly fine. Okay. We got about a minute left. We got about a minute left.
7: going quick. quit, am not quit. Hagan Smith, shout out, Arkansas, 17 Ks, six innings last week, up to 97, a lefty. Then they had a Sunday guy that threw no hitter for five innings. So watch out for Arkansas pitching, okay? Two lefties that are really good, so. Arkansas is probably an Omaha team Mm. okay one other thing I saw this bothered me but you know it's just my opinion but I'll bring it up if I can uh Cal Berkeley is playing at Louisiana and they had six or seven players decided they didn't want to stand for national anthem I'm obviously against that I don't know why they were doing that I don't know what they were you know it was a peaceful protest I don't know what they were protesting but just to get Storm Tomin on the record, my, my teams are going to stand for the National Anthem. and I'm pro-military, pro-USA, I'm pro-flag. So I'd like to see that in, in that type of venue. But I, I guess you know, the law says you can peacefully protest, but uh, that ain't going to happen. If, if I'm coaching, I'm going to have my people stand. Just, just, just my opinion there, throw it mm-hmm. out at you. Mm-hmm. Uh,
4: I'm,
7: people won't agree, but I didn't like that. But, uh, you know,
1: What's your pick I on the South Carolina Clemson series? we got to wrap.
7: There you go. Okay. I'm going – got to go with the Gamecocks. I you know, was there for 11 years. They're my team. I love the coaching staff over at Clemson, and they've got a good team. But we got to go, go Cocks, two to one.
1: <laughs> coach, let's we'll talk, talk to you next week. Thank you so much. All nice right, coach. As always, Jim Toman, as you can tell, he's just a bit outside and we appreciate him being with us tonight. Let's go to recruiting uh, here before we run out of time. Uh, Recruiting is brought to you by Seawells. Make sure you get over to Seawells this week for the daily luncheon buffet from 11 till 2 for only $14, the best buffet in the buffeting business. And, of course, for the best in the catering business, that too will be Seawells for you. Let them handle all the hard work that goes into planning and preparing and delivering and cleaning up your big event, they are more than happy to take care of all of that for you. That's Seawells, and just give them a phone call and let them handle it all. And, of course, their phone number is
2: 803-771-7385. And, Phil, quickly, uh, Sewell's closed tomorrow, just to let everybody know, for a private event. They'll oh. be back open on Wednesday for the Daily Luncheon Buffet.
1: Thank you for that. Just a is few there? notes, just a few notes from over the weekend. Finley, Ohio quarterback Ryan Montgomery is going to return to Florida and South Carolina in April. He continues to talk to Alabama and Georgia as well. You might recall that last time we talked to his father, he said that after basketball season, but they're still in basketball season, But after basketball season, it was possible they would return for visits to their top schools and make one more run through things before making a decision, so that apparently is going to be the case here. Tom Loy of 24-7 Sports reported linebacker Tavion Wallace of Jessup, Georgia, will take an unofficial visit to USC March 23rd. He also plans unofficials to LSU and Florida State, and he has set officials with Georgia June 7th and USC June 21st. Steve Wiltfong of 247 Sports reported that wide receiver Winston Watkins Jr. out of Naples, Florida, has set up several spring visits, Florida on the 7th, Clemson on the 11th, Pitt on the 21st, Syracuse on the 27th, Indiana April 2nd, Ohio State April 9th, and Florida State April 16th. He is related to Sammy Watkins. Either a nephew or a cousin, but they are related. USC offered 2026 linebacker Chad Fairchild, 6'1", 215, of Lovejoy, Georgia. Wide receiver Brunel Brown of Orlando has Clemson among his top 11. The others are Syracuse, Florida, Florida State, Ohio State, Miami, Stanford, Louisville, Tennessee, Alabama, UCF. Safety, Demarcus Leach of Abbeville was offered by Georgia Tech and 2026 receiver Jordan Gidron of Ridgeview was offered by North Carolina and by Tennessee. There you go with the recruiting notes for you tonight right here on Sports Talk. All right, some folks have been waiting. Appreciate the patience and we go to we go to uh, where we go next. I'll go Dave. Let's go Dave. I was just uh, Chris sent me a note. I think he was referring uh, Chris to Coastal committing five errors,
2: not Clemson. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yes. I had the okay, same thought at sense. first.
1: Yeah, yeah. I had the same <laughs> thought at first, but I think he was in the midst of talking about Coastal and said their fielding's been fine. They've only committed five
2: errors, so Man, I think their hitting's been really about. good too. Yeah. But okay. That well, that makes more sense because I was thinking Clemson. Uh, Coach must be looking at the different stats that I have, and I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that's what uh, Coach Mackage would like to see out of his team thus far, just five errors, but they have committed 14.
1: Yep. All right, let's go to Dave in Charleston. Dave, welcome into Sports Talk. How are you? Okay, Bill, I enjoy the show. Look here, I heard you talking to Hank about the girl
3: shooting. The the three-point shot's not going to be – when he loses, it won't be on kind of three-point shots. They can't shoot layups.
1: Hmm. Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. Around that circle, they can't shoot around that circle.
1: Well, I think that um, you know their bigs make layups. I mean, I've I've watched Cardoza make a bunch of different layups from different angles, and um, and I've watched um, I've watched uh, uh, what's, uh, a, you know a variety of their bigs can make their layups. I mean, guards sometimes in the women's game, guards sometimes have a hard time. Uh, getting near the rim and getting uh, layups to go because they're banging it off the, the backboards. But Chloe Kitts is another one I've seen make a variety of shots around the basket. So, again, I'm not saying, and we got to run, we'll pick this up tomorrow night, Chris, I'm not saying they're a terrible three-point shooting team, but I know they've had their games where the outside mm-hmm. shot has not dropped. But I do know sure. they're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country.
2: Oh, no doubt. And they're considerably better than they were last year. And I had a uh, basketball coach who coached women for a long, long time. He said the two major factors in the women's game, layups and free throws. You make both of those, you're in good shape. And and you're right. There are occasions where you get frustrated that the uh, ladies can't finish around the rim. But uh, with the bigs that Carolina has inside, that's usually not the case. Dave made a great point. Thank you, Dave, for bringing that up. We appreciate it. That will do it. Did you break 100 today? No, I had—I to, told you I had to play with a guy with four handicap. Oh, okay. Wish I, well, you par. Did. <laughs>
1: Wish I had. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow.